Welcome all. Uh, this is Straight uh, Talk uh, with your host and co-host, Dan DeGrace and Rob Fisher. Um, welcome to Fire Engineering's Hump Day Hangout. Today I got two guests that um, <clears throat> you probably do know, but I'm going to get the opportunity to introduce. Um, and really what I want to do here is not necessarily focus on the um, I would say the trauma aspect, but it's how these two individuals have traversed um, and made it uh, thrived in life and in the fire service. Uh, so I appreciate uh, both our guests being here. Before I do that, I do want to introduce my co-host, Rob Fisher from, I'm assuming, Vegas. I'm in Vegas. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here with you, Danny. I think the last show we did was at FDIC. Um, with Frank on our show, which I just want to say thanks to Clarion and and Fire Engineering and um, and Chief Rhodes for having us on that uh, that whole experience. The the new show um, in the middle of of everything and doing it live was great. So uh, yeah, thank you for that. And uh, how are you doing, Danny? Yeah, I'm doing good. Obviously, we didn't get uh, terminated or fired, so we're here again. We didn't do anything really bad. Today, it's going to be, a <laughs> again, when we talk about uh, behavioral health and mental health, I, I truly want to keep it from, from a positivity standpoint because just from a, one thing that I've talked to all of you about is, well, one of the things that people talk about is suicide in the fire service. What I do want to say is a greater majority of the people that do have those thoughts and, and plans, we don't always know about the people that survive, you know, and don't go and follow through with it because they've talked to somebody or gotten some help or changed their, their thought process. And really that's a journey I want to go down with both Chris and Jim. I'm going to kind of introduce them and, and hopefully get them to blush maybe as I don't know if Chris is blushing already. And with Jim, I don't know if I could get him his color is of his uh, his headset, uh, but maybe. So my good friend Jim Bernecki Jr. Right, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I will call you. I've never called you Jr. before. Lives in Dayton. Is a firefighter in Dayton, twenty two years plus. Has been a wellness coordinator, father. He's been the Todd, father of the podcast, The 25 Live. Notice I threw that in there, big guy. Good. Uh, cancer survivor, created Brothers Helping Brothers, has been the past president of Firefighter Cancer Support Network. He also has been the wellness coordinator. Um, uh, I think that I, I said that already for his department and created a firefighter health and wellness conference in exotic beach beaver creek ohio that i think is in its fifth or sixth year and then also has been a presenter at fdic and what i didn't write down here has the sexiest voice out of the four of us right here and go jimmy wow you forgot my only fans dan Dan you doesn't know. know what that is. <laughs> you could you you plug all that other stuff, but you don't plug the stuff that actually brings me income. Maybe this is the platform for it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. 
Um, Maybe welcome. I don't have the greatest of faces, but boys, you just see my feet. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's not this show. Just Jim, that might be in an hour from now, but this is not fire engineering. My but bad. I'm sorry. Thanks for participating. I'm going to move on a second before we get to the first question, <laughs> but welcome to the show, Jim. Uh, over here, some of you might think that he was an actor for Game <laughs> of Thrones, uh, Christopher Hibju, uh, if I said that correctly. If not, it is Mr. Chris Muscle. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks. Uh, grew up in Louis- Louisville, Texas. Uh, was also a captain in Argyle, Texas. Currently is a firefighter in McKinney, Texas. Can't get you out of Texas, huh? <laughs> uh, probably still walking. It's a big, it's a big state. Uh, is a uh, Marine veteran. Uh, notably, I forget the, the book you were in, but you were in the Battle of Ramadi. What was the book your officer, your officer wrote? Echo and Ramadi. Echo and Ramadi, which I did read. Uh, probably one of the few books that this brain um, read in the last 15 years, but excellent book, and I recommend it. Husband, father, has two sons, and fostered 13 children in the last four years. That's remarkable. Is also a critical care flight medic. He had a major injury uh, to his back, TBI, master's degree, and you too. Uh, are currently planning on putting together a workshop or a presentation for FDIC 2024. Yeah, big goals. So, Chris, welcome. Thanks for having me. So that's the introduction. Hopefully I did you guys service. If you want to tell us any any more about yourself, you certainly can. But the reason, and you guys both know why I have you on the show, um, I want you to be as open and as candid as you possibly can or hold back. Um, you know, we try to create a little bit of levity here because when we talk about struggles, our own struggles, it gets emotional and we have to, um, introspectively look at what that has brought in our life. But I look at both of you truly as, I don't even want to say survivors. I want to say as individuals that have have, have persevered through adversity, uh, honestly, that's how I look at both of you. You both came into my life uh, in different times, and we may end up doing a a second segment on this, depending on where this segment goes or how much, how good you are, how much you suck. I'm not sure which one (laughs) of the two, or I might be off the show. (laughs) But you've had your share of experiences. Jim, I'll start with you because I introduced you first and plus you're the senior man. Sorry, Chris. Um, uh, Where do we find you right now? And um, anything you'd like to add in regards to, you know, kind of your your journey through some of the things I've shared? Uh, I I am in exotic Beaver Creek, Ohio, as we speak. it is uh, my son's, my youngest son's seventh birthday today. So we already started out with the Waffle House. Um, and uh, now he's with grandma doing some yogurt mound, the fancy yogurts where they throw all the crap in there and at the bookstore. But, uh, you know, I think back to really a year ago, a year ago, I was just in 
turmoil uh, and nobody knew. Nobody knew. Um, I internalized everything and I, I worked my ass off to be a Oscar award winning really actor at that point in time. Um, I was in the position of wellness coordinator for my department. And uh, I was the guy that everybody was supposed to come to for help. And even though I was struggling and, and uh, just falling apart internally, like, I I really struggle with the how am I how does the the optics I guess of how does it look if the guy that's supposed to be helping everybody is actually struggling themselves and um hindsight is, is huge in this but at that time I I hit it and I didn't want anybody to know and I just kept pretending like everything was okay and helped everybody as best as I could even though I was falling apart um and I learned months later of how just kind of idiotic it really, the whole thing was and how there was actually nothing stronger than actually, you know, throwing the white flag in and saying, I needed help. But that is not where I was just a year ago. So um, it's been, it's been a journey. And I think with time I have, the trajectory has been up. It hasn't been just a straight line. That's for sure but I'm definitely a lot better than I was. Um, still got some, definitely got some improvements to make, but uh, it's a work. I'm a work in progress. So. Aren't we all right. Uh, you know, I can just look at you honestly in a sense of your, your face, your demeanor, your mood, the little bantering we had uh, before we went live much different than what I saw a year ago. And I'm not here to, you know, break any confidentiality, but I remember when I met you at FDIC and I've known you for, I'm going to say four years when we first did the podcast uh, back then. And I remember you coming up and just your general demeanor was, was different than your more forward gregarious kind of self. And I was like, okay, just stand and listen. And, and we did, we went out to lunch, chatted, you shared some of the things that you just shared right now. But again, when I was thinking about introducing you, and as I honestly knew of and Googled the things you did and have done and are currently doing, that's a long list of stuff that you, know, you have uh, chosen to do. And one of the uh, phrases that I use is from a, uh, 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 a professor, Rachel Remen, talking about uh, how do, can you expect to walk through water and not get wet? Like in our career, as we're exposed to all the things that you've done, even from that podcast alone, I mean, how many episodes have you done? Oh, yeah. I mean, over 100? Yeah. yeah. Over 100. And just the conversation. Uh, I think about chaplains that have to listen to everybody else. And what do they do to kind of cleanse themselves from all the stuff that they hear? And 
So you've had a remarkable career and it's not over. It's it, it, <clears throat> a lot of times when people go through adversity, yeah, what comes out the other end and just out of curiosity, what is the, the current focus for Jim Bernecki right now or Bernecka? No. Sorry. No, uh, you know, right now it's, it's my boys. It's my wife. That's and that's it sounds so cliche, but I, I like this uh you know, the the boys got out of school early dismissal last Thursday. And so I got them all summer. I'm off. I'm 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 not working anymore. Um my last day of leave was actually Friday. And I go in front of the pension June twenty first. So um I'm off. I'm here. Like my responsibility is the boys and the last two summers in particular. Um, I kind of feel like those were taken away from me that the opportunity to spend time and make memories and do things with them when they're young enough where they, but they still like me, you know? Um, and you know, that, you know, two years ago was the cancer during the summer dealing with that. And wasn't just physically, I wasn't able to do a lot. And, and mentally, I think that's probably really when the depression started after my diagnosis. And then, you know, last year I was just a mess mentally and I spent, you know, a good part of that summer away, you know, 40 days at the, the center of excellence. Um, so this is kind of my opportunity to try to make up for that lost time right now. And, and that's really, that's all that matters. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful everything works out on the 21st and I just kind of move on from, from there. Um, I'll, I'll close the chapter of, of being a Dayton firefighter and being the wellness coordinator there. And I'm not sure what the next chapter is going to be. And for the first time I could tell you, I'm okay with that. I've, I've been, you know, my whole adult life has been, I've had to be in control. Um, I've had to know what was going on and, and be part of that. And if, and if I wasn't in control, I was usually fighting the person that was in control. So that's not where I'm at now though. Um, you know, whatever happens is, is going to happen. And I just, I, I have faith, which is not something I had really up until recently. So I have faith it's all going to work out and I will still have a purpose somewhere doing something regarding this job. It's just not going to be actual firefighting. And I've accepted that. I'm okay with that. I can still contribute. I can still do a lot. Um, still on a large scale, I think. Um, I don't know. That's about it, I guess. No, I I appreciate that, and, and I know Rob probably got a comment. And I was just going to say that when we get in discussions about in this platform that Rob and I get through fire engineering is really about behavioral and mental wellness. And whenever we have that discussion and we ask people where they're at, they usually come back to, "I'm grounding myself with family." Um, Rob, go ahead. Yeah, I was just, Jim, I was going to ask you earlier, you had said that people didn't, your coworkers and your colleagues didn't know that you were struggling, but, and Dan kind of alluded to the family. I was curious, 
Was your spouse, was she able to see that you were struggling? Did the, did the family unit see that you were, you were struggling through this? She, she did. She was aware. Um, I, that's probably about the only person I couldn't hide it from, you know, at work, I could, I could put on a brave face and, and joke and kid and have fun and, and really pretend, but at home, that's where like, uh, it was unfiltered and I had many a breakdowns, um, with her. Um, and she, and, you know, I worked through really all this stuff with her by my side, um, having her support. I don't think I, I couldn't have got through this stuff without her. She, she was truly, when it comes down to it, she was the rock. She's been the rock, you know, the last few years dealing with all my stuff. Um, she's been the one that's taking care of not only my boys, but taking care of me. Um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm fortunate for that for sure. I'm grateful. And I'm, I, like I said, I don't think I could have done it without her. I think, you know, it's funny, Dan, I, it's, you know, you kind of alluding to kind of picking up on some cracks. I think I was probably showing last year at FDIC it being FDIC 2020, 2022. The other person there um, that kind of picked on it was, was our good friend, Sarah Janke. And she, remember her kind of pulling me to the side and and she said it in a very Sarah type of way. She just said, are you on depression? <laughs> I was like, no. She's like, well, I, f- I feel like you should be. Should and I be? I, and I was like, why? You know? And, and at the, again, still pretending, still being that guy. Um, and she, I just remember her saying, you've just seemed like you've lost your sparkle. And uh, that kind of that that actually hit me pretty hard. Like, shit, I want my sparkle. You know, that's where's my sparkle at? I well, you got you got, you got the headphones today, so <laughs> so you know. And I and sure enough, I mean, after that is, I went to the doctor and I started on meds. But at that point in time, I think it was already the meds weren't going to save me. It was I was yeah. already starting to to get deep and dark and all that stuff. Well, we appreciate you offering that, and and you. I don't know if you say that tongue in cheek with Sarah. I think anybody that knows Sarah knows that she speaks her mind without question, and, and not to hurt anybody's feelings. But it's when we see somebody that's. I'm just going to use the word different. Do we have the strength, or ability, or the comfortability to offer that to the person? not to be mean or derogatory or let's be honest when we were kids, like, or, or, or maybe even more recent, somebody be like, what's wrong with you? Right. In, in a negative tone, as opposed to what's going on or, Hey, do you need something? And again, it leaves up to the individual of whether or not they want to have that conversation. And I appreciate you leading this conversation and op- open it up. And um, I want to lead to, to, to Chris, cause he's, I wonder what is if he's looking that comfortable or if his heartbeat is about you know 190 right now going, okay, what question is he this guy gonna ask me? No. Cool calm, Chris Muscle. The, probably one of the cooler names out there, right? Anyhow. Paid a lot of money for it. <laughs> yeah. So Chris, 
very accomplished individual. I'm not going to blow you up too much in a sense of that from your Marine Corps service, master's level, uh, slight medic, made captain, moved to a different department, persevering there. Um, I don't know where you want to start the conversation in a sense because when Jim mentioned about family, me knowing you for about four years, I know that even for myself, like if somebody asked me, what do I do to ground myself? I, I go back to my spouse now. Uh, that's what Rob does. Um, but for many years, you've, climbed a hill to accomplish stuff. When I look at you now, from when I've met you four years ago, you look content and, and calm and uh, have a bit of peace of, about you, which I don't know if it was there before. And, I don't, and again, I don't want to paint a bad picture, but share, us, share what, what you're willing to share with us. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's paint, painting a bad picture. I think it's reality, right? And I think that the reality is important for people to be able to see maybe where, not me necessarily, but where somebody was and where they can get to through the adversity and the trials and tribulations. And um, I think for me, with my spouse and, you know, my boys are younger, um, I, I tried to hide it from them. I, I tried to, you know, you walk in the firehouse and, you know, I'm good, right? That's the word we talk about a lot, but we say I'm good. And, you know, from being in the Marine Corps and, and going to Iraq and, uh, you know, being a fireman and then, you know, being a, a flight medic, all these things, you know, you're supposed to be the guy. And so you tried to carry that with your family too. Um, and so there was a ton that I didn't share with her. There was times that I didn't go to her, I think a lot, um, which probably didn't help, but I can tell you now in today's time, um, she's one of my biggest supporters and one of my biggest grounding outlets. Um, and obviously we went through our own tragedy recently here in our department and, you know, through all the peer support and all the things, uh, she was one of the biggest rocks for me through all that. And then even my boys, um, you know, I think being open and honest is huge, right? And and we talk about it a lot of, you know, a lot of people ask the question of, are you good? And, and most people in our business are going to say, yeah, I'm good. Because it's a stigma that we have to break, right? And, and Dan certainly pioneered this, or at least I stole it from him. But it's instead of, are you good? How are you doing? And I think a lot of people are maybe... Uh, don't want to ask that or they're maybe afraid to ask in that context because when you say how are you doing versus are you good you're kind of opening avenues for maybe a response you don't want to hear or a response that's going to put you in a conversation of how do I respond to that and so um, I've carried that over even to my my wife and boys out come home how are you doing you know um, so yeah I think family is Probably, you know, the counselors, the peer support, all those outreach things, all that's great. But your family's with you day in and day out. And so, you know, just like you have to be uh, shored up when you walk in the doors of the firehouse, 
for whatever the length of your shift is, you have to be just as short up, if not more at home. I appreciate that, Chris. Uh, yeah, and you brought up, so you're in McKinney now, you've been there for a year or a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. So after 17 years in the fire service, you just broke your candidacy? I wasn't quite 17, but yeah. <laughs> Close enough, 16. Um, <laughs> doing well there, make a lot of friends, great department, McKinney, a lot of great departments in, in Texas. You're very happy, you make a lot of friends. And then an unthinkable tragedy happens again and, and, and again, gosh, you know, you've been through childhood, um, your own path, the military, uh, right. your, your journey, yeah. um, personal, professional, friends and coworkers, and then an unthinkable tragedy happens in McKinney. And, and how do you manage that? Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we did have a pretty significant tragedy happen. Uh, one of our uh, captains assigned to my station was in an accident off duty in our district. Um, and he was killed tragically and we were the crew that responded to it. Um, and it was a pretty tough deal. And, you know, honestly, how do you respond to it is I don't think that the answer is static. It's very dynamic. Um, but from, you know, obviously the department did their piece, right. From bringing in the right people and peer support and all that. But I think, um, for me, where I was four years ago, or even two and a half years ago, how I would have responded to that and how I responded to it today is much different. Right. And I think that that comes back to, um, taking care of yourself, um, mental clarity, you know, the counseling, making time for yourself, um, things like that. And, you know, it's not something that is going to be fixed overnight. Um, I think that Jen brought up a good point about faith. Um, and I've always been a faith-based person. And I, I feel like, you know, it's probably been up and down depending on the time of your life. You know, I think when things are good, maybe you don't lean into it as much and then things are bad and you maybe lean into it a little harder. But I think, you know, the challenge with it is sometimes the why. You always want to ask the why question. And I think with faith, you just have to trust that you were, you know, that was part of your journey, your story, your life for a reason. And you just you have to trust it. You have to trust it. And I like to use this term you have to lean into it and you have to reach up and reach out. Right. And I know for me, and we've talked about this before, Dan, like, you know, from my childhood to the military, to what happened, you know, throughout my professional career up before now, um, I, I struggled with the why for a long time. And I always said, why me, why this, why me? And I was playing the victim. And then one day, you know, I realized like, Listen, you can ask yourself why all day long, but it's not going to change the past. What's happened has happened, right? And so if you trust it and you lean in and you reach up and reach out, you, this is your story for a reason, right? That's the reality. So you can embrace it 
you know, like we say in the Marine Corps, embrace the suck or whatever. I'm not saying it's necessarily a suck, but um, you can embrace it, right? And you can go be somebody and do something with your story and your journey. Or maybe not. Um, and it is tough. It is tough to go to, you know, PTSD and maybe dealing with, you know, alcohol or whatever. I mean, that's my story. I'm not afraid to discuss it, but you know, the PTSD and then, you know, dealing with the alcohol and using that, that's how it was a few years ago. That's how I've dealt with tragedy, trials, tribulations. Right. And when this tragedy happened, um, alcohol never once crossed my mind. You know, uh, the PTSD struggles never once crossed my mind because I am in such a good place and I have found other avenues, other paths to deal with it. Chris, did, did your resiliency come out of uh, treatment or did it come from the family or did it just over time as you were dealing with all of this and, and with treatment and, and therapy and everything, did it just build, the, build your resiliency? Um, I think it's a little both. I think the resiliency was there um, maybe prior to uh, treatment and stuff like that. However, I think resiliency, it was resiliency in the sense that, like, much like Jim, I'm resilient on the outside, but on the inside, I'm crumbling, right? Um, and I think, you know, obviously through treatment and counseling, and then, you know, this, this situation happens, the resiliency is um, being okay to say, I'm not okay, Right. Like, you know, if there's one thing I shared through all this is, you know, at one point having a conversation with some people, I said, if there's one thing I know, I know it's okay to not be okay. And it's like, when you say that a thousand pounds are lifted off you, you don't have to be this machine. You don't have to be this robot. The human factor gets to come in. And so that to me made my resiliency that much better because people know you're not trying to be a robot. And then I think the other big thing is with the resiliency, like Jim said, it's a, you know, I've never met Jim, but we're saying a lot of the same things. It's a work in progress because as long as you're in this business, as long as you live life, tragedy is going to happen. Unexpected things are going to happen. And so, you know, I haven't always gotten it right. And so there were times that, you know, maybe came out of treatment, went to counseling for a while, things were good. I'm like, cool, I don't need counseling anymore cool, maybe I can skip a couple church sessions, you know? And then something happens and it's like, uh-oh, right? And so for me, you have to maintain all that. Like I still see my counselor on a regular basis. And obviously we're working through this right now, but even when, you know, we're good, I just go see her just to maintain, right? It's like a maintenance plan. And I might go in and we might talk about the trees, sports, whatever, you know, there might not be some tragedy to talk about. There might not be some interpersonal struggles to talk about, but it's that maintenance cycle. Yeah. I, you know, when we've talked to Dan and I have talked to a number of individuals that have struggled and, and then uh, obviously Dan being a clinician himself, he obviously gets more op opportunity than I do, but it seems as, as if the resiliency comes from the journey and yeah. to, to get on the journey you know, and you, you had said, once you can say that you can, you can, you can accept it to get to that point, you got to have tools and it's, and you've got to be able to, with the tools that allows for you to start this journey. And the journey is going to be a long one. 
and um, and and it's continued effort, you know, seeing therapists and clinicians and such. But what if I were to ask him, and I'll ask both Jim and, and as well. But what tools do you think really help you for your journey, you know, into resiliency? Well, I think for me, the the, the counseling piece is one, right? Because it's hard to argue with uh, research and science. Right. And so, you know, the EMDR, the ART, all that stuff is good. But then the other big thing for me was, um, you know, I really collapsed my inner circle, if you will. And so I maybe had 25, 30, 40 people that I would reach out to. And it was like, I got a little bit from this guy, a little bit from that guy, a little bit from that guy. And when uh, I crossed the bridge, if you will, or whatever, you know, I, I really got into my recovery um, self. I, I really have a small group of four or five people. That's not to say I don't have other friends. And that's not to say that one guy's not good enough to be in that circle. But I really have a, a small group of four or five people that I can go. I can tell me anything deep, dark. And, and, and so for me, and really share my stuff. And for me, it, instead of having a 10 minute conversation with this guy, a five minute conversation with that guy, a seven minute conversation with that guy. Now I have four or five people and I might have an hour conversation with Dan, right? Maybe it's you, Rob. I have an hour and a half conversation with you. And so that is a big piece. And then the other piece of that is making sure somebody in my inner circle um, lives in this world. Right. So like Dan, I mean, this is, this is his bread and butter. Right. And so they're able to understand you. And, you know, there'll be times I'm having conversations with Dan and I'll say something and he'll say, you know, bullshit, you're lying, you know, or, you know, like it's like he knows. Right. You know, and so if I tell, you know, if Dan says, how are you doing? I say I'm good and he'll know if I'm good or not. Right. And so I think that's pretty important for me. And then, you know, the other piece to the resiliency is. You know, as long as I'm doing this, surrounding your people, yourself with the the, the like-minded individuals. Yeah, I, I can appreciate the fact that um, reducing your inner circle, that I think is an overlooked one. And uh, when you mention, I'm like, oh, man, that's that's money right there. That's because my wife and I, we travel a lot and we have, you know, we've tried to go on a large trip or a trip of, you know, a large group of people. And it just it just becomes a shit show. Yeah. But when, when we have said, if we keep our group to six people and, and, you know, and not to make light of your situation, but if we keep our group to six people, then we get that time to, we can actually enjoy the vacation. We can enjoy the time with the people that we're there with and, and be it that it's this group of six, and then maybe it's a different group of six. But when we get this large group together, you're, you're spot on, like, I got to spend five minutes here and there and I never really get to get involved and enjoy the, you know, the relationship that I have with the people that we're, we're traveling with. Yeah. And I think one other piece of that too, if I, if I could, before I pass it off to Jim is, you know, when, when you don't reduce that inner circle and you try to have 40 or 50 people and you go through a tragedy, uh, whatever it may be, like mine was this incident, you know, how many times are you reliving it? at the surface level and you're never really digging into the recovery side of it and the journey moving forward. Right. Because if I tell that story and I go in my deep, darkest 
emotions and that's coming back to surface level 40, 50 times. And all I've done is told the story. I've never really started hacking away at moving through the journey of processing and recovery and stuff like that. But when you have those four or five people, it's a lot easier for me to share that same story and cry four or five times or share those emotions four or five times and then start to work through it. Great. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Jim, tools for resiliency, your journey. You know, Rob, I felt like I actually had a pretty good routine down. You know, I was daily meditating, you know, 20 minutes. I did that for over 500 days without missing a day straight, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, working out, doing stuff like yoga. Um, Like I, I felt like I had a pretty good routine down, but I'm telling you when stuff hit, when it all blew up, it wasn't enough. It was it, it, all that stuff went to the wayside. I couldn't manage. I couldn't maintain. It was all that good stuff. It, I think it dealt with, you know, the here's and there's, um, you know, but anything, you know, when something significant happened, it went, it, it just blew up. It was, it wasn't there when I probably needed it really the most to be. Um, and since that time, it's really been, two things that have helped me out and probably built that back up. Uh, no, I'll even go three things. First of all, talking about it. Yeah. I've talked about this stuff so much. So I was just everybody, like I just had to talk. I had to process this. I had to throw it out there. Every clinician I saw every IOP. I mean, everybody like I just talked about it. Um, you know, uh, the other thing is just time, just time. I've, I've gone where I was angry at so many different things and different people. And with time, I've slowly been able to just forgive and move on and not carry that baggage around. And then the third thing is just knowing, you know, those lessons and not putting myself in those situations again. Like I realized that I really can't one-on-one peer support people anymore because I go, you know, I'm, buckled up for that journey i go along for that ride wherever that may be and it's you know that vicarious that secondary trauma with them is really beating me down i know i just can't put myself in those situations um and i think knowing what my capabilities truly are and what they aren't what i can't do and being able to say no and still pass somebody off, still give solutions. I'm not going to leave anybody hanging, but I'm just, I can't be that guy anymore. I'm too vulnerable myself still. You know, I I feel like uh, still an emotional roller coaster. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3 the other week. Ugly cried in it. (laughs) Ugly cried. Like um, somebody bought me uh, my family dinner. Um, ugly cry in the middle of the restaurant. Like uh, my emotions still to this day are not, not in check. So um, hopefully with time down the road, all that stuff gets better and works itself out and I could be normal again. Well, normal. I don't know if I um, ever was normal. I should clarify. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know what normal is uh, for me or, and I've known Dan for a while and Dan's never been normal, but, uh, uh, I, I think to, you know, to Chris's point and it, 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 doing meditation and, you know, and you think you got everything all set. It's once you can take that cape off and maybe to back Kenny's 
um, I'm using an analogy from Pat Kenny, but once you can take that cape off and you can accept the fact that you, you can't do everything and you can't be everywhere, then maybe that's when the journey really starts. And that's yeah. when, you know, once you've accepted that, then everything that you're doing from there on out is what really, you know, helps you, helps you with your resiliency. So. Yeah. I guess uh, what I would offer is that when we're looking at, and, and Chris said this, you know, Jim was this guy, Chris was this guy, you you were that guy. Many of the people that are listening are, are the, and again, we use guy, but guy and girl person. We're taught in society, right? To buckle your, buckle your chin strap and get in the game. That's it. Um, and if you don't, if you don't work past it, guess what? You don't get in a starting lineup. You don't get on the team. You don't get picked first. You uh, are looked at differently. And everything's fine and dandy until the cup tippeth over, right? And whether or not the person is 5'5 five five or 6'8 or uh, male, female, ethnicity, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, you, you, neither one of you knew of each other. And, when, and just to share you, when we, when we do a show, we think about, you know, who would we want on a show? Who would be interested? Who has the time? What would be the topic? What are the questions? And Rob... And his traveling from Washington to Vegas to Italy and to wherever else in the world Rob Fisher is, and that might be a whole nother podcast. He's like, hey, what's the conversation? Because I always tell him beforehand. And I said, the conversation is about two individuals that have traversed life in similar but different ways and have persevered. And that's all I told him. And he goes, got it. Because whether it be Jim or Chris or Rob or Bobby Halton or Dan DeGrace or anybody that's out there, we truly are all the same in a sense of that we have various experiences that take us in various different directions because you wanted to be that person to be chosen and thought of in a favorable light, whether it be the athlete, the scholar, the firefighter, the engine, the pipe person, the engineer, the officer, the podcaster, the Marine, the fools, whatever. That's, that's who we are, which is, and I, and I'm, I almost swore, but um, Bobby tapped me on the shoulder. It's so freaking cool. I mean, it really is. That's who we are. That's why when we, I talk about the fire service now, I talk about how we thrive in the fire service. And, you know, even people that run marathons got to take a friggin' break. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and those cr- crazy people that run 100 miles, whatever, ultra marathons. I mean, come on. I'm lucky if I can run a block at this point right now. Easy, Rob. That's not a softball to hit out of the park. No, I was just I was just going to say you can't drive 100 miles without having to stop to go pee. So you know, it's more like 20 miles. But okay. but I'm okay with my shortcomings now. And in a couple in both Chris and Jim, you kind of mentioned that you're. 
I'm not a huge fan of, you know, the, the thing of saying, oh, it's okay to not be okay. It, I, I am more comfortable with my limitations than trying to reach Maslow's hierarchy of self-actualization, which is really impossible. Yeah. You, you, you don't. So when nowadays when people will say things, you know, hey, he's not the best golfer, or, hey, he's not the best looking or whatever the thing is, I'm like, Tell me something I don't know, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe then not the best host. Got it. Fire me then, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm okay with it. I'll go do something else. Uh, I don't, anyhow. So I hear that in both your voices, which is actually pretty cool. You know, how we get through that, we can give you a whole list of things, of coping skills, and um, you guys all know them but you actually have to do it yourself. Yeah. I just talked to a veteran that came into our program today and uh, he talked about he's 51 years old, been in several different programs and um, he, he knows it. He, he knows it, but does he want to do it? It's the same thing with me in a, in a sense, when people ask me, when you talk about vicarious trauma or secondary trauma, I didn't learn until 10 years ago. Being in this field of behavioral health for 36 years and listening to not hundreds, but thousands of people's issues, and then 30 years in the fire service and witnessing and, and experiencing and, and trying to um, manage critical incidences, what is that exposure? Does that make me better, worse? I know in a period of my life, my relationships were horrible you talk about friends yeah i could name a hundred people i know but when i struggled i boiled it down to four and out of those four i didn't call anybody because of the same thing that you guys said is how can i be that person that talks about whatever i talk about and then have to call somebody else for help until i got my head out of my butt and said, just, just try it. Right. But I had to make that decision, which both of you and many of the people that are listening chose that path. Then, Yeah. I, you know, I, I say it a lot, but you got to want it for yourself. You can go to the center for excellence. You can go to the Florian, you can go to all these things. You can go sit in front of counselor, EMDR, ART, all that stuff. But if you don't want it, um, this might sound harsh, but you're playing the victim and you have to get out of the victim mindset. And, you know, we can throw the life ring all day long, but if you're not willing to grab it, that's where the journey starts. If you never grab the life ring, you're never going to stop drowning in whatever it is whether, you know, it's substance, whether it's mental health, PTSD, all those things, right? And so that's where the journey starts. And then, you know, just going back for a second, Rob, the other piece of resiliency for me, once you get through that and you're like, okay, I I can do this, is I can only worry about my side of the street, right? I I can only focus on my side of the street. And part of that, you're like, well, how does that tie in? It's part of letting go of control which Jim had mentioned, right? And so if I start by only worrying about my side of the street, that helps me as a byproduct to let go of that control. And then understanding, I don't always have to be in control. But you, you're right, Dan. You, 
you have to want it. I mean, my, my journey coming out of the program wasn't linear. You know, that it uh, was a roller coaster. It was up and down, which I just think is more part of my story. And, you know, some things happened and I traversed through it and some more things happened. I traversed through it. And then a big thing happened. And it was like, I was sitting in my car one day and it was like, I could hear God saying, can you hear me now? (laughs) You know, like, I'm only going to give you so many options to figure it out. And then I was like, dang, quit being the victim. You've been to war. You've been a fireman. You've been all these things. Quit being a victim. You've done harder things in life. Right. Stop making excuses and do it. If you want to, if you want to succeed. And then once you succeed, use your story to help others. And if one person listening says, man, that guy did it. So can I, that's a win, right? Chris, you're what? 38, 37, 37. Yeah. I hate when you correct me, but I, I am giving you an opportunity. You know, I love it when somebody corrects Dan. I did know he was 37. I'll get to you a second and Jim, I'll let you ask the question. But now that he corrected me again in front of (laughs) hundreds of people. (laughs) Tens of tens. Um, No, my my, my thing is, is that do you can see young man accomplished a lot, long life ahead of you. Do you think you're successful? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, and more to come, right? Yeah. Did I think I was successful four years ago? No. But, and where I am today, um, and I don't mean physically with the career and stuff. I just mean in life. Yeah. I'm successful. Yeah. No, I, and again, you know why I asked that question because yeah. I, how I feel, I just love to hear that from you because yeah, it, it looks like that. And, and recovery is tough. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, it's not easy. Right. But uh, how bad do you want it? And, you know, I was sharing this with someone the other day. I said it was a lot easier to go fight a war than to go through this. It's tough. It's supposed to be. Maybe it's not supposed to be. I don't know, but it is for me. It was for me. But how bad do you want it? Jim, you had a question for Chris? Well, I was just going to agree with the kind of the victim part. Um, I I feel like, I mean, it's been a while. I mean, I don't say a whole year, but probably close to that in which I was dark and dreary and pity party and woe is me and miserable. And it was, I mean, it was just a little over a month ago, I think, that I I just, I had it like, I just snapped out of it. I just was like, I I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be just, constantly miserable and um so negative and i just had to snap out of it and ever since i did that it was just you know like it's been it's been good um but it was just finally having enough to where i was i said i'm I'm done living this way uh it just because you know i was miserable and i made everybody else miserable around me too so it was it wasn't fair on my family, my friends, none of them. like, I just had to finally snap and snap and get rid of it and, and try to actually be happy and have fun and laugh again. Um, and that's not something I did for a long, long time. And, you know, that's all time lost. We don't have a lot of time. 
And I blew that time. I don't want to do that again. So, Jim and Chris, if there's somebody out there that is in that journey, um, and a lot of times we'll say, have that cognitive dissonance, what do I do? Um, and then even your old self, what would you say? Jim, go ahead. Hmm. You know, we already kind of mentioned, uh, I think Rob mentioned Pat and the cape. I wore the cape an awful lot. I tried to be invincible. Nothing can hurt me. I was there for everybody else. And that was all BS. It really was. And it caught up with me. Um, and I was, it turned out, you know, fortunately, I, I'm okay. I'm still here. But it was close. It was, it was ugly. It was close. <laughs> and... Um, God, I, I remember making that phone call and that it was the same phone call that I've made for, I know you made this phone call a bunch Dan too, but I mean, I've made it for six other Dayton firefighters before I've been on that line for them, but, but making that phone call for me, that sucked. It absolutely sucked making that phone call. But I got to tell you, as soon as I made that phone call and hung up, it felt so much better. It was instant. Like, okay, you finally made the phone call. You're going to get help. You're going to be all right. It's not going to be instant. You're going to have to work, but you're going to be all right. You know, you, you basically put an end to the misery. This is as deep and dark as it gets right here. From this point on, you're going to go up on that trajectory. So, but you have to make that phone call. It's the hardest phone call to make, but once you do, it's only going to get better. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Making that decision, right? That ambivalence, do I or don't I? Uh, it was just, it was, it was uh, real quick, Dan. It was, yeah. um, and this is maybe the competitiveness in me. Like, as silly as it sounds making that phone call i felt defeated like i i didn't want to make that phone call i didn't want to admit that i was that far gone but that was the truth and i needed to make that phone call thanks jimmy yeah for me i think uh you know what i would offer is first you got to it goes back to breaking the stigma, right? And it's people like us trying to do that. But yeah, stop, take the emotions out of it. Stop worrying about being the cool guy. Stop worrying about being the tough guy. You're at your rock bottom probably, right? Or pretty close to it. And so when, you know, you say, you know what? I don't care what people think right now. I'm not in a good place. They're probably not thinking good about me already because people are seeing it. Um, and then, you, you know, you got to figure out your why uh, or your purpose. I'm sorry. You know, whatever it is that you got to, whether you're going to do it for yourself, your family, your kids, your career, grandma, your dog, I don't care. You know what? If I can't do it for myself, find somebody else that, you know what, I'm going to be a better person for my kids, maybe a better person for my wife, for the guys at the job. Um, and then, yeah, you got to reach out. And then you have to know and accept the fact that it's not going to be easy, but there's probably more people that are going to surround you and support and love through this journey than they were before, because a lot of us depend on where you're doing with, you've already isolated yourself or you've already 
ticked them off or you've burned that bridge because of what you were going through. Right. And so your circle was probably already pretty small when you're at that rock bottom. And when you finally reach up and reach out, whether it's grabbing somebody's hand, a life ring, faith, you're going to watch the people flood in on you. And then, you know, quit being the victim and drive. It's not an easy journey. Doesn't happen overnight. You know, you bring something up personally, just out of curiosity, I'm going to ask Jim you this question is that kind of like with when Sarah pulled you off to the side and made that comment, one thing that I mentioned to people that when they go into their own recovery, whatever that looks like, that don't be surprised when that person taps you on your so- shoulder and says, hey, can I talk to you and asks you, hey, did you, what's going on with you? Did you lose weight or did something with your hair or did you... What wearing different clothes, they notice something favorable about the demeanor. Has that happened to you? Not a whole lot, really. Not a lot. Um, and I think it's because it's just been more recent that I've kind of mm-hmm. snapped out of it. And I haven't, I haven't just been around a lot of people. Okay. Um, I still... This is this is the weird thing. I still, you know, I'm still going actively through this. And I told you before, I talked a lot about this. I talk a lot. But at the same time, I'm sick of talking. And it's one of those things even to where and I've I've noticed it where I I'm interested. I want to know how this person is going. That's that's usually how how I am. I I, I care about people. I want to know what's going on. I won't reach out to them because even though I want to know how they're doing, the last thing I want them to do is ask me how I'm doing. Cause then I got to talk and I got to share again. And it's just, it's, it's getting at this point it's gotten a little old. Um, and so when I do share like doing this, like I know I'm doing this because it's for the big pictures for the right reasons. Hopefully it's impactful to somebody out there. And it was the same way with my, FTIC talk. I didn't realize it until I was putting it together that it was my story, the good and the bad. It was my journey and I'm going to take you for a ride, knowing also that there's probably people in that room that are on that that same roller coaster with me. So I don't know. I think uh the more and more I get out there, the the more I, I think get comfortable. Hopefully they do see that the old the old gym is back. Um that's kind of still yet to be seen at this point. No, I, I appreciate that. And like you said, it's relatively early in that process. Um, so thanks for sharing that honesty piece of it too. And again, when we get socked in the gut, right, we recoil and have to recover before we could move forward again. And uh, But definitely I see some favorable differences Um and that's why I asked you to be on the show. I guess you could have told me to told me no too. <laughs> have you ever told me no? Can I say the word? No. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, uh, before we finish up, um your your thoughts on what I mentioned to to Jim, because like, they they saw your head kind of shaking. Yeah, I mean, people especially that have been through my life you know, before my journey and now that have kind of seen it come full circle. Yeah. I mean, I just, I hear it all the time. 
whether you look better physically, your spirits, your attitude, my relationship with my wife. I mean, my mother-in-law commented the other day that, um, you know, that's the happiest I've seen you and Amanda since you've been married. Um, and it was just through an uh, organic conversation in the kitchen. So, yeah, people notice it. People notice it. And firemen notice it even more because we're more critical of anybody, right? You know, they're watching every little thing, so they see it. Well, I, on behalf of, uh, you know, Rob and I and Fire Engineer, and I do want to appreciate to say how much we appreciate you coming on the show. Because, again, like you said, Jim, you're talking about yourself, right? Uh, there are those people in the fire service, right, that love to talk about themselves. You two are not those individuals. You like to find out about other people and hence your podcast. And uh, I know, Chris, you've offered to be in venues to share your journey if it can help one or more people. And, and this is one of those. And Rob and I, the reason that we're here is to have those conversations. And like both of you said, to, to talk. Um, if somebody needed to get a hold of you or wanted to get a hold of you, uh, how would they get a hold of either one of you? Is this where I plug my OnlyFans? Yes, sir. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> no, no. Um, probably um, email works. Uh, Jim Bernica Jr. That's B as in boy, U-R-N-E-K-A at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. MySpace. All they got to do is Google you, man. That's true too. I'm not. I'm not hard to find. Thanks, Jimmy. Chris. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Facebook too. I don't know who's not, but I also I'm happy to put my number out there. Nine four zero dot three six eight dot eight three one one. I'll talk to anybody. Text, call, FaceTime, whatever. Um, I'm pretty open. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Um, Rob and I will talk. Uh, we discussed maybe having a, a second segment of this. I, I forget when our next show is, but um, appreciate you being here. Rob, any closing comments? Yeah, I just want to say thanks to both Jim and Chris for the the conversation, you know, and, and the vulnerability that you guys showed to kind of uh, explain your your situations. It's not easy. It's not easy uh, in our profession. And it's, it's good to see. I mean, I've been in for a few years, not as old as Danny is, but uh, I've been in for a few years and, and I've seen a, a, a transition, a good transition in, in, in our profession that, uh, um, you know, I, I kind of wish that I was a firefighter back in the fifties and sixties. I think, I think it was, it was supposed to be that way, but you know, I landed in the eighties. And, um, but I love seeing the fact that, uh, the American fire service is, is wrapping their arms around this and, and that firefighters are getting better at, at, at having conversations and getting better with the fact that we have a difficult job and we can't save everything and or everybody. And, and, uh, we have to, we have to look for ways, tools, you know, um, and we have to build our resiliency. So I appreciate your guys's um, conversation and um, I appreciate you, Danny, even though I punch you around a little bit. I do love you. Hey, I've, been work, I've been working out, but I could take it. So, <laughs> so give it but your that was, those, 
those are my final words. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the conversation. All right. Uh, till next time. I don't know the next time, Rob, do you know the next time? I believe it's in August. Let me, I got the calendar right here. Jim, are you available to be a co-host for, (laughs) (laughs) I got to get a better helper. It's August 30th. All right. Look us up for August 30th. uh, And we are out. See ya. Thank you.